What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 118. It's Kyle's birthday. Indeed it is. And we got some more good stuff to talk about. Heisman winner, bowl games coming up, NFL playoff predictions. And talk about all the signings that happened at the end of the winter meetings, because we just missed that that last day, the winter meeting. So a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty quick episode today, though. Uh, Going to be a lot of fun stuff, though, packed in that whatever, 45 minutes, 50 minutes that we're here. Yeah. Let's just get right into it with the opener. And for my opener, I got to talk about the Warriors win on Saturday versus the Celtics in the NBA Finals rematch that they had. First time that we've played the Seas this year. Celtics have the best record in the league. We've been struggling quite a bit, but I felt like this game could have been a turning point for the Warriors. Klay Thompson had 34 points. Uh, Steph Curry had 32 points. Draymond played well with 11 uh, Pool had 20 points, no Wiggins in this game as well, and we completely shut down Jason Tatum to just 6 of 21 for 18 points. Uh, and we looked like the team that we were last year. And I think that's the thing that the Warriors are striving, striving to get at right now is getting back to that last year feel of the team and the confidence and all that stuff and not having to have Steph go for 35 and 10 and 10 in order for us to win a game. So it was good to see the other guys step up. Uh, and get the job done as uh, we just tipped off against the Bucks right now. Uh, so if we win this game, I'll be shocked. But uh, we'll know it was a turning point if we get the win tonight, I guess. For sure. Yeah, the best thing I saw was the Heisman Trophy presentation. Caleb Williams wins it, as expected. But uh, watching that show is all, always fun. You know, I remember... I believe 2009 when Mark Ingram won, that was the first time I won it. And I was asking my dad, why is this, this big guy crying on t- live TV? What's going on? It's like, it's, he just won the Heisman Trophy. It's the, the biggest accomplishment for a college athlete. And yeah. it's like, oh, I see, I see. So now I love watching the show. And, uh, you know, Max Duggan was close, but rightfully a blowout for Caleb Williams in the voting. Yeah, the Heisman ceremony is very, like, I – I don't know how to describe it. It's very like surreal presentation yeah. because you, there's not really too, too many times where you see that many great athletes in one spot at one time. And it's not like a virtual thing. They're not sending in videos by themselves. It They're all in the same spot once a year for everything. And the only thing that comes to mind as far as that many athletes being together that were great at their sport was uh, NBA all-star game last year yeah. when they were doing the NBA 75 team and they had all those crazy guys there. Uh, so different sport, but you don't really see gatherings like that too often. So it's pretty cool to see Heisman presentations. Yeah. Johnny football looked really messed up, but it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You get the fucking oddballs with, with Johnny Manziel and the Heisman. That's for sure. Let's get into the American sports player of the week though. I forgot to put up a poll, but looking at the guys that were playing this past week, Trevor Lawrence, Really stands out from these other guys. 30 for 42, 368 yards, three touchdowns, as well as a rushing touchdown for the Jags in their victory over the Titans this past week. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has been playing really, really well recently for the Jags. So I think that's something we should be mentioning as well. No picks in the last five games, three wins in those five games as well. And uh, Trevor Lawrence starting to play like the first overall pick that he was drafted a year and a half ago. 
Let's move into team reports now. Rough week for me and Skyler. I'll let you go first, though, and uh, tell me about the Jets game in Buffalo. Yeah, uh, the Bills beat the Jets 20-12 to in Buffalo in the snow. It was expected, but it just hurts a little bit more because the Jets had a chance to win this game, and then they fumbled twice at the end. Once when Joe Flacco came in for a play uh, after Mike White got drilled again in the ribs and had to leave. And uh, then Michael Carter, who's having a horrible year after a, a great rookie year last year, fumbled. You know, the defense giving Josh Allen trouble all game once again, which is great to see. But you're going to have to score more than 12 points to win. And uh, we got some some big games coming up. Detroit, Seattle, Jacksonville, Miami. If they run the table, they make the playoffs. If they lose, they need lose one game. They uh, need some help from the Chargers and the Patriots. And... Yeah, they're going to have to beat Miami. So this is going to be interesting. I don't think it'll happen, but at least we're playing meaningful December football. Yeah, that's always big. And uh, Mike White's the guy. Everyone loves him in the locker yeah. room. So that's good. Yeah. Rough week for the Jets, and it was also a rough week for the Raiders. We played on Thursday night football, so everybody started the week off watching our game, and I'm sure pretty much everybody that's listening to this watched this game. Uh, Baker Mayfield needs to come back 98 yards of two minutes to go ends up winning the game for the Rams uh, as far as our players go and stuff like that I mean disappointing game from Carr only 11 out of 20 for 137 yards no touchdowns two picks worst game of the year for him uh, and it was just weird play calling we we tried to run the ball a bit too much uh, for a run game that wasn't really doing too much uh, Jacobs still had 99 yards and a touchdown, but that was on 27 carries. Every single time he's gotten that many carries in his entire career, I'm pretty sure he's gotten over that 100-yard plateau. So seeing him kind of stifled this for this year because he hasn't really gotten yeah. stopped at all this year was pretty crazy to see. Uh, but we just weren't. It was too predictable, and for the play calling, it was like, oh, are they going to run and run here? They definitely are. It, there was no possible. Deep shot downfield. We didn't see too many crazy plays for Devontae Adams. Only three catches for 71 yards. Uh, so disappointing there on the offensive side of the ball. The defense played well until the last drive, uh, but it really wasn't their fault in the way that they lost that game. Crosby had a sack, two tackles for a loss, pass deflected, three QB hits. So another big game for our superstar defensive end. Chandler Jones on the other side, he had a sack and also two QB hits. Uh, Blaw Nichols got in there for a sack. And uh, that was all that we had as far as uh, rushing the passer. Chandler Jones also forced a fumble on Kim Akers. That was a pretty big play uh, in the game in the second half. So Chandler Jones is starting to come along. Uh, so now I guess this kind of begs the question, what is next for the quarterback situation with the Raiders and, and all the stuff going on? I, I mentioned last week, I wasn't going to talk about playoffs with this team unless we won this game. And I'm obviously not going to talk about them now because mm -hmm. we're pretty much out of it at this point. But at this point, I honestly, as weird as this sounds, because I was completely against this a couple weeks ago. I think if you are going to go for a quarterback, I think the best situation that you can do is draft Will Levis. Because he has, you're not going to get younger Stroud. And so... If you look at the guys that are there who have the highest upside, that's probably going to leave you with Levis. And you have a quarterback right now. 
who's capable of playing. You can play a year or two with him and have him just sit behind him if you really want to. Uh, but I don't like the idea of just scrapping everything down, getting a new head coach, and, and going through all this stuff again because it's just it's just the same shit over and over again. And at this point, you gotta let a guy get year two in there, even year three sometimes, and yeah. you know, kind of let that those those players and coaches kind of feel each other out and understand how good they are and what their capabilities are. And uh, if you just keep on firing your coach and trying to restart and retool and rebuild over and over and over again and try to do it quicker and quicker every single time, you're just not going to get there unless you strike gold and you don't strike gold too often. Well, good thing we got mock draft draft coming up at halftime for you. There we go. (laughs) Uh, Let's move into where we went right and where we went wrong, where uh, we talk about a picks that we did good and where we – did bad as well. Uh, so, Skylar, I'll let you go first for this one. All right. So, pick I got right that I was the only one to get this one was Jacksonville over Tennessee. You know, I I hate to say it, but Jacksonville's offense looks really good right now, a whole lot better than the Jets does with, uh, well, with Zach Wilson in the past and now with Mike White, too. Um, and Tennessee, I do not trust. So, glad I got that one right. But where I went wrong was taking Pittsburgh over Baltimore you know, maybe if Trubisky doesn't come in and throw three picks, they they win this game by a field goal, but they didn't. It was backup quarterback against backup and third-string quarterback. Anthony Brown even playing a little bit for Baltimore, possibly starting next week. So uh, yeah, I guess I just won't bet on the AFC North late in the season anymore because those quarterbacks are always either banged up or, uh, you know, get a lot of pressure on their face. Yeah, moving on to my picks. The pick that I got right that I feel pretty proud about was the Chargers pick over the Miami Dolphins on Sunday Night Football. The Chargers just matched up really, really well with the Dolphins. They were able to cover Tyreek and Jalen Waddell, and they got into a point where they understood that the Dolphins weren't going to run the ball, even though that is a Chargers defense weakness. They can't stop the run. Dolphins didn't care. They kept on trying to throw it and throw it and throw it. And Tua just was bad, and it didn't work out for them. The pick that I feel worst about getting wrong is Pittsburgh and Baltimore as well because I felt that game, right as it started, this is Baltimore's game. You have a pick like that every single week and stuff like this where you see the first couple drives and you just go, oh, shit, yeah, this this game is wrong. Even if the score isn't like 21-0 or something like that, I think the score was still like 6-0 or 10-3 or something like that, and you just kind of felt – that that trade or not trade that game was not going to go the way that you expected it to go. So let's move on to something else before we get into where's your head at. And I guess this is kind of a part of where's your head at, uh, but it pertains to our Oakland A's and their big trade. Uh, again, I pretty much given away Sean Murphy to the Braves uh, for four or five different players in a three team trade with the Braves and the Brewers as well. Uh, I'll get the details real quick here. Braves get Sean Murphy. That's all only player they get. The Brewers get William Contreras, the all-star catcher slash DH for the Braves last year. Joel Pyamps, who was a reliever for the A's last year, who was actually pretty good. And Justin Yeager, who I do not actually know who that is. I think he's just a prospect in the the Braves system. Mm-hmm. A's get Eshery Ruiz, who is a guy... That was in the Josh Hader trade last year. So he originally came from the Padres system uh, is get him from the Brewers. He stole 85 bags last year in AAA 
uh, and double A over the course of the entire season. Has 80 grade speed. He's in run well. Uh, he's going to hit decent, not for a lot of power, but seems to be somewhat exciting player. Kyle Moeller, who is the Braves' number one prospect, who's a 6'7", 250-pound left-handed pitcher, looks to be a starter potentially for the A's this year. Freddie Tarnock, who the A's view as a reliever, I guess. He's a right-handed pitcher from the Braves' system. Uh, A's want him to be a 100-plus reliever out of the bullpen. Uh, Manny Pena, who was just kind of like a throw-in backup catcher deal for the A's. He's a 35-year-old that's bounced around the MLB for the last few years and uh, decent, but he's just a backup catcher. And then the last guy is Roy Burr Salinas. Roy Burr is 21 years old and came from the Brave system, pitched in high A last year. The solid numbers, good strikeout stuff, but nothing too crazy as of yet because he's still pretty young and isn't expected to get to the big leagues until 2024, 2025. At first look, this definitely looks like the A's get fleeced, Skyler. We... Mm. Didn't really get the guys that we were looking for as far as what you and me expected and what similar A's fans and MLB insiders expected. Uh, it seemed like there was better offers from better teams like the Guardians and the Cardinals that we just didn't take. Uh, so what are your takes on this Sean Murphy trade? Did we get completely fleeced or is there somebody out of this that you really like or well, what's your take out of it? Well, one thing we know better than most people is – the A's just look at baseball players differently than everyone else. And this isn't even just about Moneyball. We've just always been doing it differently. So when we look at a player like Estuary Ruiz and we see, you know, um, Billy Hamilton, our guys see Kyler Murray, who we should have. We see Coco Crisp, our captain from the, the last regime. You know, and I'm not necessarily saying he'll be that player, but that's why they did this trade. I'm still disappointed because there's no no big headliner piece here. It's not Kyle Muller. Kyle Muller is uh, is going to be an average pitcher, and uh, it's no disrespect to him. I I hope he succeeds. That's the one thing everyone's getting wrong on Twitter about the Ace fans. We're not uh, upset about the players that are coming in. We're going to love these guys no matter what. We just needed uh, a little more maybe another uh, guy with star potential to make us feel better so that's how i'm feeling I i'll always root for these guys i i hope all these prospects we got turn into what they're supposed to but we're just lacking a little bit here these past couple uh, trade packages we've had yeah and i i have a similar take to scatter where i I'm going to love Ashtray Ruiz if yeah. he hits 300 and steals 40 bags for us i'm going to absolutely love that guy if Muller's a guy who strike out, strikes out 10 guys per nine innings, has a 3-5 ERA, and pitches 30 starts for us. I'm gonna lo love that dude. Tarnock, yeah. he works out. Same thing. Salinas, Pina, who cares at this point? He's an old guy, backup catcher. But it just was disappointing in the fact that we gave up a guy as good as Murphy, didn't get a top 100 prospect back. Yeah, When we could have gotten... Nolan Gorman, we could have gotten Dylan Carlson, we could have gotten uh, Juan Yepes, not all those guys, but two out of the three, and there's another guy in there too that I've, uh, Alec Burleson, that I'm forgetting yeah. to mention. Uh, the Guardians sure, we could have gotten anyone from Tampa or Cleveland, anybody yeah. on their list. Yeah, if we could have gotten a George Valera or Gavin Williams from Cleveland, that would have been great. Taj Bradley, yeah. uh, guys like that from the Tampa Bay system. Uh, and to see that we trade with the Braves. They have a guy like Vaughn Grissom that we could have 
really used, I feel like, as a as a guy who doesn't just have good defensive skills but also can hit and is super, super young, 21, 22 years old, yep. and already has big league at-bats. He's not a thing where you're just bringing him up and in the hopes that he could be something good. You've seen that he's good against big league pitching and big games, and uh, to get this, it's disappointing. But um, obviously nothing that we can do, so we just got to – be optimistic because the, sure. if you're not optimistic, then it's just not going to be fun for you in total. Cause I'm uh, still going to watch the A's. I mean, there's, I, I love baseball too much to just ba- boycott it, you know, but exactly. Yeah. But it's still disappointing. Yeah. All right. Let's get into where's your head at now talking football for this whole first half. And then we'll move into the baseball deals that we saw in the second half. Uh, starting off with our MVP ladder, like we do every single week. Do you have any yeah. honorable mentions that you want to talk about before we get into the five? I'm going to say no. I have two non-quarterbacks, Justin Jefferson and Tyreek Hill. On to number five. Yeah, Jay Jettis gets the five spot for me. Uh, 200 yards last week, and they didn't win. That's that's horrible. Maybe that should be a reason why he's not on my list, but... Um, He's the best player on the Vikings by far and just takes over, man. Yeah, he broke a franchise record for most yards in a game by a Vikings receiver. Uh, and they had a guy by Randy Moss on their team for quite a while. Uh, number five for me is going to be Justin Herbert. First time that he's been on this list for me. Uh, he's currently second in the league in yards right now with 3,700, 21 touchdowns and seven picks. You know, nothing too crazy as far as the touchdown interception ratio. But when you look at the guys that this guy's had to play with this year, uh, no Keenan Allen for most of the year. I know he's back now. Mike Williams didn't play most of the year, but he's back now. And he's still found a way to keep the Chargers in the playoff hunt. He is the real deal. I don't know why people were ever saying that Tua was better than him, even though I was putting Tua higher on this list than he was earlier in the season. Justin Herbert is crazy. He's crazy good. He makes great throws, game in, game out, uh, and he deserves to be on this list right now, I think. Yeah. On to number four. All right, number four is going to be Josh Allen. Sticking on the list once again, similar reasons to last week, where even though he's made a lot more mistakes in the second half of the season, he's still so unstoppable. You know, a game that they easily could have lost to the Jets if a couple things don't swing their way. You know, he just takes over running the ball when they can't give it to anybody. And uh, that's the kind of player on the MVP ladder. Yeah. Yeah. I'm putting uh, Allen at number four for me as well. 26 touchdowns, 11 picks isn't the most flashy ratio. Same thing as Justin Herbert, but he, he does the unthinkable. So the plays that you wouldn't expect anybody to make and say to yourself, is that a quarterback really doing that? Is that guy really throwing a stiff arm at the linebacker and actually having it work or trying to hurdle a guy that's an all pro that just doesn't happen for quarterbacks and just not Justin Allen, <laughs> Josh Allen does it week in week out. So he's mm-hmm. at number four for me on to number three, Joe Burrow. I uh, feel like it's down to a top three here. Joe Burrow's having an excellent season and he's trying to go back to the Super Bowl, man. You know, it yeah. just has to be Mahomes again. Yeah. I feel we're in kind of the same top three uh, at this point. These are really the only three guys that I feel like can win it unless something completely drastic happens. I have Joe Burrow at three as well. 
had a slow start to the season, has been great the last 10 weeks, though. And uh, Bengals look, again, like one of the best teams in the AFC. On to number two. Number two, Patrick Mahomes finally gets bumped down for me from the one spot. I think it finally happened. Um, another rough week against Denver. And, you know, they had a lot of yards and a lot of points, but it was not the ideal Patrick Mahomes against uh, one of the worst teams in the AFC type of game you want to see. And uh, I'll hold off there for, for the number one conversation. Yeah. Number number two, I'm also putting Patrick Mahomes. This is where I had him last week. Uh, four Over 4,000 yards, the only guy in the league that has that. 33 touchdowns also leads the league as far as passing-wise goes. He, he's been great, of course. He just hasn't been good as the number one guy, especially over these last five or six weeks. And number one, Skyler. Yes, Jalen Hurts uh, absolutely destroyed the Giants. You know, making sure there's no no misunderstanding here that he's the best player in that division. He's should be up here for the MVP. And you know, again, we talked about it last week too. Earlier in the season, he was doing it with his legs. Now he's been doing it with his arm, and they're pretty unstoppable. Especially with the defense struggling a little bit, he's been completely fine taking over games. Yeah, uh, I'm putting Hertz at, at number one as well. He's been in the same spot for two weeks now uh, for me. And when you look at guys that have an MVP season, you kind of point to like one moment that was their like MVP moment. I feel like it's more common in college with their Heisman moment because yeah. that's just a cool name that goes with it. But like you've had games with Lamar when he won. He had that run against the Bengals where he did – spin and ran for like 50, 60 yards and scored a touchdown. Mahomes has had games like that in the past. Aaron Rodgers has games like that, of course. Uh, and I think it's three straight weeks now that just not Justin Jalen got all these J quarterbacks. Uh, that's not weird to say, uh, but uh, three straight weeks where he's having that MVP moment against the, the Packers on Sunday night. Had 150 rushing yards as, as well as two throwing touchdowns. Next week, threw for 380 yards and three touchdowns and also ran for one. And then this past week, they just blow out. The Giants has the easiest game that he can have this entire year. 217 passing yards, two touchdowns, as well as 77 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. There's just no answer for Jalen Hurts right now. And that's that's why he is the MVP. And that's why the Eagles are 12-1 and one or whatever they are right now. Let's go yes. ahead and get to our AFC playoff predictions. We're not doing our top five this week. We're doing it a little bit different and uh, just giving our playoff predictions with the rest of the season going on. Every team's got four games left. Uh, we're all done with buys now, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, 16 games every single week from here on out until we get to the playoffs. Uh, so before we get into the actual top seven teams, do you have any just out teams that you want to talk about? Yeah, the Jets miss it. They lose to Miami week 18. I have the two teams that I want to talk about that didn't make it. I have the Patriots who go eight and nine uh, and then the Miami Dolphins who go nine and eight and uh, get the eight spot because they've been playing so bad over these past few weeks. I like on the number seven. Number seven is going to be the Ravens. I have them at 11 and six. The AFC is going to finish strong here. Um, You know, Lamar comes back and they get the job done, but. You know, we again, th- luckily they don't have the toughest schedule with their backup quarterbacks, so that'll keep them alive. Uh, number seven for me is going to be 
the Chargers at nine and eight. They sneak in uh, as one of the nine and eight teams that do make it, and uh, yeah, they sneak into the seven spot. On to number six, the Dolphins also at eleven and six. They beat the Jets. They get the tiebreaker, and uh, bam. Number six for me is going to be where I put the Jets. Uh, they go nine and eight, so another nine and eight team. They just have the tiebreaker over the Dolphins with a Week Eight team victory, and uh, they sneak in and have a tiebreaker over the Chargers for some reason, and uh, have the number six spot instead of number seven. On to number five. Mm-hmm. Number five, the Chargers also at eleven and six. I have all three teams finishing strong, and uh, this is just how the order ended up being. But yeah. Chargers. I have the Ravens at 11 and six at the five spot. So I mean, it's got to have them at the same record, just two different yeah. uh, spots in the order. And uh, that, that goes up to the division winners. Who is the South division winner, I guess, because that's for sure going to be the four spot. Yeah. The Titans hang on for dear life at eight and nine. I also have the Titans at eight and nine uh, holding that four spot and hosting the Ravens in that first round, which would be a fun game on a number three. Number three, I got the Bills at 13 and four. I don't remember what specific matchup it is. Maybe they play Cincinnati or something coming up here and they lose that. I think that's what I had. They play Cincy in week 17 on Monday. Okay. Okay. I also have the Bills at the three seed at at 13 and four, uh, which means that they would have a date with the Jets in the wild card round. I'd be fine with that. Number two. Number two, the Bengals, also 13 and four, tiebreaker with the head to head over Buffalo. I also have the Bengals 13 and four, uh, which would set up a Joe Burrow versus Justin Herbert wild card round. So, three kind of crazy good uh, yeah. divisional or wild card matchups if that does happen. And the number one seed, Kansas City Chiefs, do you have them at 14 and three? Yes, sir. I do as well. Let's get to the NFC now. Do you have any teams that you want to talk about that did not make it? Um, no, not really. Uh, Detroit doesn't make it, but I don't want to talk about them. So. Two teams that I don't have making that I'll talk about or just say the record. I have the Seahawks at nine and eight who kind of choke out, uh, and then the Giants at nine and seven who have kind of, nine and seven and one who have fizzled out since their hot start. Uh, and that gets us to the seven spots, Skyler. Who do you have here? Yeah, the Giants do make it at nine, seven, and one. I guess uh, Detroit lose Detroit and Seattle losing a couple extra games. Uh, guess the Giants in there. I have the Lions at the seven spot, going ten and seven. They win out, keep on that hot streak that they have going on right now, uh, and take the number seven spot. On to number six. Yeah, it's Washington, 10-6-1. They beat the Giants, and they're pretty much in after that. I have Washington at 10-6-1 as well. They just find a way to win games, and they're going to find a, win, find a way to win this next week against the Giants after tying against them two weeks ago, uh, which kind of catapults them into that playoff spot. On to number five. Cowboys, 12-5. and five. You know, uh, obviously not ideal against Houston, but I still think they're going to be good enough to beat the four seed here. The playoffs. If I were to put money on any certain person, any certain team finishing in a certain spot at this point right now, it'd be the Cowboys finishing in the five spot because of how good the Eagles are and how much better they are over these other uh, teams that are in the wild card spots. So I have Dallas at 
12 and five finishing at the five spot on to number four, Tampa Bay, eight and nine. They survive. I do not have Tampa Bay. Oh, don't tell me it's Atlanta. I have the Carolina Panthers okay. Okay. winning Sam the Donald. division. Uh, Sam Donald's been actually pretty damn good uh, under yeah. Steve Wilkes for the Panthers. And Steve Wilkes has been a guy that the Panthers have absolutely loved in their locker room. So maybe it wasn't uh, their team is dog shit type thing. Maybe it was a Matt Rule thing completely. And uh, the Panthers will sneak into the playoffs and host the Dallas Cowboys. That'd be funny. Going eight and nine. On number three. Number three, I got the Vikings at 13 and four. Uh, they're going to do just fine at the end here, but another team is pretty fire right now, Cal. Pretty fire. Yeah. I have the Vikings at 13 and four as well in that three spot, which would mean that they play host to the commanders in that yep. wild card round. Same. Kirk Cousins reunion. Number two. San Francisco, 13 and four. Maybe it's a bit risky giving them this record with a third string quarterback, but it seems to not bother them right now. So yeah. sticking with them. I also have the Niners at 13 and four winning out the rest of the way, uh, which would mean that they host Detroit in the wild card round. And then the number one seed, the Philadelphia Eagles. What is your final record that you have for them? 15 and two. They're going to rest. I'm- I have 15 and two and losing yeah. to whoever they, they played that last week as well. Yeah. All right. That's going to do it for our NFC playoff predictions. Let's talk about a guy who is back. Now here's a guy. Uh, but doesn't no. really look like he's back. Uh, it's Deshaun Watson. Uh, the Browns are one and one in the two games that he's been in, but they beat the Texas because their defense and special teams scored three total touchdowns. And they only scored 10 points against the Bengals in those two games for Deshaun Watson, though. 34 for 64, which leads to a 59.4 completion percentage. 407 yards, which is 203 per game. One touchdown, two interceptions, three sacks taken for a 70.2 QB rating. Uh, Is Watson, like, actually bad now? Or is this just the complete rust and all this stuff combining together the last... uh, year and a half or whatever since he's played. Well, he hasn't played in a long time. He didn't look great the last time he played in the preseason. Uh, he probably just needs some more time, but it's possible he's got that Russell Wilsonitis. Uh, you know, a guy trying to do too much who relied on their system. And I didn't think I'd say that about, about Deshaun Watson, but he has been making some horrific decisions recently. Yeah. Well, Watson... He, like, it's not just a thing where it's like, oh, yeah, the stats are bad, but he looks good. He does not look good at all. And so for him, I think, I don't think he's actually bad. I think going into the next year, it kind of gives him a clean slate opportunity rather than just hopping into a season right away. Uh, And I think he'll rebound pretty well next year. But this year, I wouldn't be shocked if he finishes out bad. The Browns don't win maybe two games the rest of the season and, uh, he just doesn't look good for the rest of the year. And yeah. we kind of go into that, oh, shit, is this guy actually actually bad uh, conversation? But I think he'll rebound fine going into next year. All right. All right. Let's go to halftime. All right. Welcome to halftime. We're going to start it off with NFL injuries once again. And we got a lot of big ones this week, which sucks. But we'll talk about a guy we just mentioned, Brock Purdy. 
uh, not one of the bigger ones, but a rib injury and an oblique injury, limited in practice. Why he's on here is because they play on Thursday. And that's not a lot of time for uh, a guy who's banged up, you know, especially a smaller quarterback. So we'll keep an eye on that one. Uh, Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa for the Browns, season's over, foot injury. So, uh, you know, the Browns, we just talked about it. If they want to play spoiler, it's going to be hard to do that with another player out. Sucks. But last night, probably the biggest one on here, Kyler Murray tears his ACL on a non-contact cut against the Patriots out for the year, probably more uh, just absolutely brutal, you know, and uh, Kyle was telling me they actually do play on real grass, which surprised me because that was like the same exact cut that uh, Zach Wilson tried to make in preseason and they had the MCL sprain, but it's the torn ACL. It's the whole, whole deal. Uh, Sorry, Kyle about Jayon Brown. who was put on injured reserve. He's really done much this year. Okay, never mind. Uh, but last night, uh, also in that that Patriot, Patriots-Cardinals game, Ramondre Stevenson, ankle injury. We don't know anything else about him, but he left the game around the second quarter, didn't come back in. And, you know, with Belichick, if he doesn't have to tell us, he's not going to tell us. So I guess we'll have to wait a couple more days. Yeah. But one thing we do know about Debo Samuel, scary-looking knee, ankle, entire leg injury it turns out it's only an mcl and ankle sprain not a high ankle sprain though so he's expected to make his return before the playoffs which is good for them because he was their best player on the field yesterday uh chris wormley it's <laughs> always <towards> acl <laughs> and yeah I, oh sorry one more big one that i i forgot about because they're not a very good team but the falcons mariota is out for the year uh, on IR with a knee injury. And that means Desmond Ritter's going to make his first career start this week. And uh, and I'm excited about that because I can prove Kyle wrong. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> prove me wrong. No, no. I'll be, I'll be rooting for him. I was going to say, you better. <laughs> all right. That's uh, at least the important NFL injuries for now. Everyone's banged up. So don't get it confused. Welcome to week. 15 man exactly but i do have a mock draft so let's just get right into it you know the college season's over for now it's bowl season um and everyone who is going to be early in the draft has probably played their last game so now we kind of know what these guys are going to look like uh started off with the texans at number one i haven't taken bryce young I still think he's the best quarterback. I think Texas, Texas, Houston needs to take a quarterback here, and it's going to be Bryce Young. Uh, number two with Seattle, a lot of different directions they could go here, but I have Will Anderson at Seattle. I don't think they'll take the quarterback. I think they're going to try to bring back Geno, and uh, you know the, these three defensive players that are going to go early in this draft are so freaking good. Uh, so we'll just keep going here because the Bears at number three, they're going to take Miles Murphy, the edge from Clemson. For some reason, he just seems like a bear, even though uh, my number four guy, Jalen Carter to the Lions, I think is the best defensive player in the class. I just, I don't know. I, I try to mix it up sometimes. So Jalen Carter, four to the Lions. Um, report saying that they they view Jared Goff as a franchise quarterback. That would mean you take best player available and not, not take a quarterback, right? So mm-hmm. that's what I'm doing here. Uh, number five, the Eagles. 
taking Keely Ringo, the corner from Georgia. They would love any of those D linemen, but uh, there's a, a bit of a drop off here. But six, the Cardinals still have them taking Tyree Wilson. Edge, edge rusher from Texas Tech would be the next guy. I think there's a big drop off, but uh, I don't think the Cardinals care because that's how the Cardinals are. Number seven, I have the Colts taking CJ Stroud. I don't think CJ Stroud will fall to seven. But based on what we've heard uh, about these other teams picking above them here, uh, they're not going to take a quarterback. So someone will trade up for him. But Colts yeah, in that spot I think right the, now. the Eagles pick seems like a, a spot where it's very easyable, easy. If Jalen Carter isn't there. Because yeah. if, if guys fall to the point where they say if the Eagles say want Joey Porter Jr. or somebody who's going to be slotted at 15, they're not going to reach. They know somebody's going to want to go ahead and jump up for a, a quarterback if C.J. Stroud is there by their pick. And so I wouldn't be shocked if that does happen. Yeah. All right. The Raiders at eight. I haven't taken Brian Bruzy over Will Levis because if everyone is, is Stan, you know, like uh, – same regime, I feel like they would still go best player available. And Brian Brzee is is a great dilemma. It's some, you know, personal stuff. Had a miss in games this year, but if he has a decent combine, he'll be fine. And I do have Will Levis nine to Carolina. Uh, if they make the playoffs, they won't get him. But I mean, I don't know if the Cardinals have time to wait for a Will Levis, but it seems like the kind of player they would draft. Like, oh yeah, Josh Allen, of course. Uh, let's jump around here for some notables I have the Texans taking Jackson Smith Jigba I pick number 12 I feel like he he could fall a little bit just because he hasn't played in forever and he's not um, Jamar Chase Um, I actually do have Joey Porter at 15 to the Lions so good call Kyle Uh, Jordan Addison 16 to the Chargers receiver from USC uh, he's ridiculously fast, and Herbert has some pretty old receivers, so maybe he would like that. <laughs> uh, I have the Jets taking Brian Branch at 21, safety from Alabama, um, a joiner replacement, and uh, not the joiner's been horrible this year. He's been surprisingly good, but you know uh, you can always get younger. And 22. Got Washington Commanders taking Anthony Richardson, quarterback from Florida. If everyone gets fired like uh, I expect them to, they won't care if uh, fifth-round quarterback Sam Howell's on the roster. They're going to want their guy. And I, I think Anthony Richardson is going to be pretty good if he gets in the right spot. Uh, Bijan Robinson, 30 to Buffalo. That scares the crap out of me, but I don't see a lot of people trading up for a running back. And... Nolan Smith, 31 to the Eagles. So, yeah, Eagles uh, have a good chance to completely revamp their defense with this draft. It's pretty nuts. And uh, also an equal chance of going to the Super Bowl. So that's exciting. Uh, All right. Uh, That's the end of the mock draft for now. But I have one more college football thing to share because the transfer portal has been pretty nuts. And now we actually do know where some of these players are going to go. So we'll talk about them. Um, a couple of players who recently were added to the transfer portal were Grayson McCall, quarterback from Coastal Carolina. I really like this guy. You know, if, if he goes to uh, maybe a Big 12 school and they let him air it out a little bit, he could be a first-round pick. Uh, similar to Devin Leary uh, from NC State. 
Uh, I'm sure an SEC team would love to have him. Uh, we already know Jaheim Bell, the tight end running back hybrid guy from South Carolina, is going to Florida State, and they looked pretty good last year. So that's interesting. Uh, some more quarterbacks, DJ Oyungalele from Clemson. We knew that one. Hudson Card from Texas will be leaving. And I want to look at some of the quarterbacks who have already made their decision. We have Austin Reed from Western Kentucky, had a whole bunch of yards and wanted to change programs, is actually going back to Western Kentucky. He was going to go to Louisville, but decided not to. And actually, that is the only quarterback to decide yet. But a guy like Jeff Sims from Georgia Tech, you know, a triple option offense, I feel like he'd be a lot better in in a spread offense. So it's exciting. And that's the end of the transfer portal watch. You know, Travis Hunter will be going to Colorado, but it's not official. So he'll be the top guy, probably the only five star. Um, Yeah, for now, it's what we got. There we go. That's going to do it for halftime. Let's go ahead and get to a second half where we are just grading free agency signings from this past week. Uh, As far as the player goes and the team goes, so did the player do well for himself? So did he get the money that he deserves? Did he get underpaid? Did the team get a deal here? Did the team assess their biggest needs? Or did they just waste a whole bunch of money on whoever this player is? Starting off with a pitcher going from one NLE's team to another. That's Taiwan Walker going to the Phillies for four years and $71 million. Yeah, uh, I'm going to give the Phillies a B minus here because obviously Taiwan Walker is a great pitcher taking him from the division. You need him, but that's a whole bunch of money for a guy who's only had two good seasons in my opinion. So that's why I'm giving Taiwan Walker an A grade because I mean, what would he be the four starter there? And he's getting paid a bag for him. I think uh, something that you're going to see a lot from me and Skyler is super high grades on the player side for these pitchers because the starting market is so high that these guys are getting paid. And uh, so I'll start with my player grade for Taiwan. I gave him an A. Uh, great job. Probably the same as A+. plus. Honestly, I don't know what the difference would be there. Maybe $71.25 million. That would have been a little bit nicer. But uh, $71 million is awesome, of course. Uh, and then as far as the team goes, I gave it a B plus because you take a guy away from the Mets. Uh, Mets kind of ended up upgrading, but we'll get more into that in a second. Yeah. Uh, and you get them on your team. You get what you need because what you needed last year was depth in the starting rotation. You had... Wheeler, you had Nola, you had Suarez who pitched decent sometimes, you had Kyle Gibson who pitched decent sometimes, but you needed a three, four, five guy that is going to be consistent for you and not just a, a rookie or a second year guy or a wash veteran uh, that's just looking to eat innings for you. So you get that guy uh, that helps you get closer to get into that 100 win mark because you're going to need that in order to win the NL East this year. Next up is Jamison Tyon going to the Cubs for a four years, $68 million. I think this is a pretty even signing here. I have both sides with a B plus. You know, I, I really like Jamison Tyon and what he's done the past couple of years. He has had more health issues than uh, your average starting pitcher, though, which is tough. And with the Cubs, you got to wonder what they're trying to build right now. Uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense right now, but I'm going to leave it at a B plus because maybe they do know what they're doing. 
I gave the Cubs a B minus. I like Tyon, but I don't know that Tyon is the right guy for the Cubs because he's not going to be an ace. He's not going to be a two starter. He could be a three and he could be a good four. So he's not going to be a top of the rotation guy. And you're paying him a lot of money as if he is a two or a three guy. So I don't really think he did the best there. Uh, as far as Tyon goes, A plus though. You're going to get to bitch in a big market, be a one or two starter for them, depending on how good Stroman is. Uh, and you're going to be showered by the Cubs fans who absolutely love everybody who plays for the team. So A plus yeah. for Tyon, you're also getting $68 million over four years. Uh, probably more like $40 million due to taxes, but we'll see. Uh, next up, Aaron Judge. We all know where he went back to the Yankees for nine years, $360 million. That's $40 million per year. Uh, what are your grades for this one, Skyler? So we'll start off with Judge. That's obviously an A+. He got exactly what he wanted, in my opinion. And with the Yankees, I'm going to be a little generous here and say that they only dropped from an A-plus to an A because he didn't go anywhere else. They kept him, even if they had to give him an extra $200 million because he just broke the AO homer record. <laughs> I, I'm giving Judge an A-plus. He got exactly what he wanted. He wanted to be a Yankee, and he's getting the most annual salary that any position player has ever gotten in their he's entire gonna make the money too you know yeah uh and then as far as the yankees go if you factor in yeah they waited a year uh which gave them the extra 200 million dollars like skyler said it took longer than expected but at the end of the day he's a yankee for nine more years i'm giving the yankees also an a plus for okay. this because okay. if they didn't get this guy it would have been an f and if you got, you had to get judged. You had to get judged if you're the Yankees. Because if you didn't, you would have been in a spot where Giancarlo Stanton's your best hitter. Yeah. And you don't want to be in a situation <laughs> like that. Uh, and so you get your guy. It's also going to bring in other guys as well because he is currently the best player in the AL statistically wise, considering he's from the MVP. Uh, and so you're going to get other free agents that want to play with them to sign with you and want to play for the, in the Bronx for the Yankees. And, uh, I think the Yankees end up doing really well in that situation. Next up is the other Contreras brother that switched teams. Wilson going to the Cardinals, uh, to get to play in the same division as his brother now. So pretty cool situation there. Yeah. Uh, five years, $87.5 million for Contreras. Yeah, uh, I'm going to give the Cardinals a B-plus here because even though I predicted this move, I think it was a little forced. You were trying so hard to get a guy similar to Yadier Molina to fill that spot. And I think they would have been, you know, it might not have been their choice, but they would have been better off trading for someone like Murphy. But Contreras gets an A because he's now, I think, the third highest paid catcher ever. And he's got a home, uh, a team that's ready to win right now. Obviously, that's that's going to be nice for him. As far as player goes, this is going to be the lowest player grade that I give. Uh, I give it a C. I think Contreras could have should have gone within the hundred million range. Uh, catchers are underpaid, but Contreras was the guy that kind of had the ability to set the market or reset the market for the catchers, considering we don't really have a situation. Yeah, and he did. He didn't do that. Yeah, so he didn't yeah. get. 
some crazy value or anything like that. He's not getting $20 million a year uh, when there's guys like Dion who is getting more money than him annually uh, or just about the same money. So uh, bad on Contreras for the catchers, but I guess he's still getting 85 mil. Uh, as far as team goes, Cardinals did great there. You took from your biggest rival, you replaced the Hall of Famer with one of the best catchers in the league. I give him an A+. Next up is Opposite. Masataka Yoshida going to the Boston Red Sox for five years, $85 million. This is an outfielder who was big time in Japan, uh, 29 years old, and now gets his big payday in America. Yeah, I'm going to give Boston an A on this one. This guy should be a three hitter right out of the gate is what I've been hearing. And I don't necessarily dislike it for Yoshida, but I'm going to give him a B plus on the player grade because, you know, who knows what the Red Sox are going to look like next year. You know, they can't seem to re-sign any of their good players. They just keep letting them walk. So that could be what bites him in the end. But overall, he should have a pretty good career in Boston. For the player grade and team grade for this, I both gave it a B. Uh, when it comes to grading these international signings, it does become a little tough because when you look at Wilson Contreras, you look at Aaron Judge, you look at Jameson Town, you've seen these guys play for years and years, and you've seen yeah. them develop, and you know what they're good at, and you know what they're bad at, and you know what their value truly is. And they're playing against some of the players too, which is big because you know who their competition is, and you trust that, uh, and it's reasonable. But when you look at Yoshida, I know – Japanese league is amazing. It's probably the second best league that there is. Korea has a close second in there as well, but a, a really damn good league. Uh, but we haven't seen this guy play. Uh, and so it's really tough for me to go out there and give this guy a bad grade or a good grade. So I just left him at a B for both sides. Uh, but he looks like he could be good. And uh, I guess good job by the Red Sox. Just a little confusing what their franchise is doing, considering our next guy that we're going to talk about, Xander Bogarts, going to the San Diego yeah. Padres uh, for 11 years, $280 million. Yes, uh, Xander will be receiving the A+. He gets 11 years. He gets out of Boston. San Diego projects to be good for a very long time. But I'm going to give the Padres a B here because Xander – doesn't project to be a shortstop in you know even a couple of years from now so that part might hurt them uh not saying his bat won't be useful in the lineup but you know we saw how quickly they gave up on a guy like hosmer and uh, he doesn't play shortstop so th yeah. this could go bad but xander's gonna be very happy i give xander an a here he got a bag from a team that wanted to pay him, and now he gets to be in California. He doesn't have to deal with cold winters, I guess, unless he goes back to Aruba uh, <laughs> or something like that in, in the winter time. But Xander, Xander did really damn well for himself. Uh, as far as the team goes, I'm giving the Padres a B because they got one of the big fish when they really weren't expected to get one, uh, even though it was kind of like their third or fourth option. It was just like, oh, we couldn't get Trey Turner. We couldn't get Judge. I guess we'll just throw a shit ton of money at Xander Bogarts. I don't like this deal in the long term, but in reality, any 9, 10, 11-year deal, you're not going to like in the long term anyways because that 
then you're going to turn into Miggy. You're going to turn into Pujols where you're just paying this guy $40 million to hit 230 and be slow as shit out of the box. But uh, you're not paying for that. Honestly, you're paying for the first five or six, seven years that he's really, really good. And then you just suffer those last four years and hope that you got a couple of World Series championships within that time. Uh, next up is Brandon Nimmo returning to the Mets on an eight year, $162 million deal. Yeah. Um, another one here where Nimmo's going to get the A plus because you never see this type of contract from a center fielder other than Mike Trout, and it is pretty crazy. But the team will also get an A for me because I really like Nimmo. I think he's going to be worth it. And they already lost to Grom. If they lost their, you know, their leadoff hitter and their ace back-to-back, that that would have been really bad, you know, even on the, the, the fans, the team morale. So even just for that reason, that helps the team great. Yeah. Uh, I'm giving Nimmo an A-plus here. He got the long-term bag that he was looking for. Uh, he gets to stay in New York. Brandon Nimmo is a very unique player when it comes to the New York media and the fans there. They all just love him. They There's no Brandon Nimmo hate speech when you see any other person in New York that's ever played there. You're going to see hate speech for him, you know, but I've never seen anything bad on Brandon Nimmo. He's always been good in the time there uh, for the Mets. I am giving the Mets a little bit of a lower grade at B minus just because I don't think the eight years will play out well. Uh, I expected Nimmo to get maybe five, six at the most. Uh, and eight just seems a bit outlandish. So I guess good job for getting your guy, but you overpaid for him uh, in order to get him not to go to Colorado. Next up, uh, Kodai Senga, the biggest international guy that we had this year, gets five or 75 to go to the Mets. He's also one of those uh, 29 year old guys coming over. Yes. He's going to get an a, because I think it's going to be a perfect fit. He's not going to be asked to be the ace right away. Like uh, maybe a team like the giants would have, if he went there and they lost Rodon. Um, But I'm going to give the Mets a B plus for this. I'm a little cautious, you know, being a little older, he's thrown so many freaking innings over his career in Japan. That's not always the best sign for some of the Japanese pitchers coming up. I think he should be fine, but don't expect him to be the next to Grom. You know, if you're a Mets fan. Yeah. I don't think he replaces the Grom by any means, but I do give the Mets and Kodai both an A. I think they, they did well uh, for this guy because he, he's going to be good. He throws a hundred, he has a crazy fork ball, which all those international players do, yeah. uh, which is crazy because we don't throw it over here. But he's obviously not going to be the ground. But you're also not paying him the $185 million that the Mets, or not the Mets, the Rangers are going to have to pay him over these next five years. So you get a little bit of a discount there. Even though Steve Cohen really doesn't care about discounts, he'll pay the full price for anything. Uh, but Kodai is a stud. Uh, that's one of the few international guys that I have watched quite a bit of. I've been watching some of his starts over the last few weeks and, uh, or some of his highlights of his starts, not his actual starts. because He's not playing right now, but, uh, he's going to be good. Five years, 75 million solid deal on both sides. Yeah. Next up, uh, onto our home stretch here. Last two deals before we move on to our layups and our bold predictions before we leave, 
two former A's, the first of which being Sean Manaya, who had a rough, rough year in San Diego for the Padres, switches teams, stays in the division, goes back to the Bay Area, signs for the Giants on a two years, $25 million deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Manaya is going to get a B for me on this one because I feel like he could have gotten some more money. Maybe that is the hometown discount part of it. And the Giants are going to get a, a little better grade at a B plus because he's a, a fly ball pitcher that'll work in San Francisco. But you have a lot of guys you need to bring back first before you work on bringing back your, your three, four starter, in my opinion. As far as player goes, I think Manaya did really good here. I'm going to give him an, give him an A. He gets to go back to a place that he was very comfortable in pitching at uh, as far as being in the Bay Area and the air and all the, the feel and stuff like that is something that's super big for a pitcher, even though it sounds stupid and childish that you're talking about the air and atmosphere in a place. But being in the Bay Area matters a lot when you're a pitcher. Uh, and then as far as a team goes, I'm giving it a C. The, the Giants have really struck out when it comes to free agency this year. And I think maybe the C grade culminates some of the other stuff as well as far yeah. as judge and some of the guys that you're not getting. Uh, Cause Manai is a bit overpaid here. In my opinion, he shouldn't have gone more than $10 million a year based off of how he pitched last year. And I mean, the giants, I'll, I'll talk about the giants here in this segment, since we're talking about them, they with, with judge, it feels like they were just used for leverage that there was never really an actual Mm. possible decision that he was going to be a giant, even though it seemed like the most likely thing. Uh, Once all the stuff has came out over the last few days with the contract negotiations, it was always, it was always going to be the Yankees. And that's always where judge wanted to be. And he was just using the, the the giants money. And I guess the Padres as well, because they offered him $400 million uh, for leverage to be able to go back to New York and play where he actually wants to play. Uh, last one that we have Chris Bassett going up north to the Toronto Blue Jays. Him and Matt Chapman reunite on a three years, $63 million deal. Uh, what do you think about this one? Uh, Bassett gets an A. He got a bag, man. And if he likes Toronto, then that that probably goes up to an A+. plus. But I don't personally know him, so I'll have to wait and see. Um, with the team grade, it's going to be a little lower, a B plus. I think they gave him a little bit too much here. And kind of with the Giants, in my opinion, they're they're kind of reaching just in case they miss out, um, if that makes sense. Just in case they have to call someone up from the farm, they're they're willing to overpay for a for a three starter. But uh, we'll see. I'll be rooting for Bassett. It's not like he had a bad year. I just I don't know how it's going to work in Toronto. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, as far as Bassett goes, I give it an A minus. I think pitching in Toronto is tough Yeah. in general. I don't think there's a lot of real crazy pitchers that we see out of there that are just super, super dominant. And it's really tough to kind of keep uh, your ERA down when you're playing in, in such a hitter's ballpark. Uh, as far as the team goes, I'm going to give it a B plus, you know, the, the Blue Jays needed a, another guy to fit into the rotation, whether that was a top of the line Rodon type guy one of these just below Rodon guys mm-hmm. or 
uh, a five starter that kind of helps round out the ro- rotation. Bassett is really underrated, and it's something that we've seen a lot of because we yeah. obviously watched him for six years or whatever it was. And uh, they sure they paid him a, a little bit more. I didn't think he'd get twenty per year, but the Padres were also in on this guy, so they had to give him that more money in yeah. order to get him away from California and, and send him across the country to, to Toronto. Send him to a different country. Yeah. <laughs> not even across the country all the way into a different one. All right. Oh, yeah. That's going to do it for our uh, free agency thoughts and stuff like that. Let's go ahead and get into our layups and bull predictions from last week. Uh, well, last week we had a, we had a rough one. Uh, the one pick that I got right uh, was the only pick that we got right in general. And it was, it was a soccer pick. Uh, so that's pretty interesting there. Uh, this Football. this past week, though, our layups were Vikings plus two and a half versus Detroit. Detroit won outright, so that didn't work. And then Skeller had the Tampa Bay plus three and a half versus San Francisco, and that did not hit as well. This week, I have Buffalo minus seven and a half versus Miami. Two is not going to throw the ball well in 20 degrees weather in Buffalo. He is going to just get obliterated, have another similar game to how he did this past week. And the bills are going to go crazy. I'll just say that. All right. Well, I got some college football here. Washington state is going to cover three points against Fresno state in the Jimmy Kimmel LA bowl. Uh, both these teams score about 30 points per game. And I'm going to go with the Pac-12 defense over the over the Mountain West. Uh, you know, Boise seems like the only team that's been able to beat uh, beat the Oregons and, and the Washington States of the world over the past 10 years. So I'm going to stick with that. Moving on to our bold predictions. The one that I got right was France winning in regulation versus England. Uh, plus 140. Shout out Harry Kane for sailing. The ball into the stands, giving us, or not us, but uh, I don't know. I'm rooting for France at this point. Uh, the W there. Uh, and then Skyler had the Lakers winning in Philly on Friday. That was of course, a crazy Anthony game. Davis gets hurt, right? By the way, they had, they were, the Lakers were down seven with like 17 seconds to go. Ended up being a situation where they needed Austin Reeves to make three free throws to tie the game. He makes the first two. Misses the third. The rebound goes somehow against Anthony Davis. He gets fouled, gets to the line, makes one, misses one, goes to overtime, and the Lakers scored two points in overtime. And the the Sixers get like a five to ten point victory. Uh, So kind of a crazy game there. This week, I have Desmond Ritter at plus 175 and the Falcons to win their game over the Saints in the Superdome. All right, I got your Raiders beating the Patriots, a near pick them. It's a one-point favorite for New England, but it seems like every time New England actually plays a, a competent quarterback, they just completely forget how to play football. And, you know, we saw that last night. As soon as Kyler Murray came out of the game, that's when they started going nuts. As soon as, you know, they, they play Zach Wilson, they wreck them. But everyone else, they've had a lot of trouble. So I'm going to take the Raiders. All right, that's going to do it for episode 118. Uh, it was a good one. A bit longer than I expected, actually. It should be about an hour. Uh, but, yeah. Got any parting words? Everybody go wish Kyle a happy birthday on Twitter. Mm. He's 16 today. Shut up. It's crazy. All right. Later, dogs.
Go Jets. And yeah, go Jets. Fuck and it. Dogs and what? Uh, cats. Bulldogs. <laughs> dogs and cats. Yeah, something like that. <laughs>